0: Welcome to the Secret Lives of Chiropractors. I am wrapping up this series of Secret Lives of Chiropractors and starting a new series which is focused on trailblazers and out of the box thinkers and doers. I am so excited about the new series, I'm calling it the Expansion Series. The idea is to introduce you to chiropractors who have done really wild things. If you are a student of mine, or maybe you're in Elevate Club, or you're a part-time million dollar mastermind, or maybe you just follow me on social media and watch Coffee with Dr. Nonas, so you've probably heard me say this, and because I've said it so many times. If you want something different, if you want something wildly different, a wildly different life, practice, business, relationship results, you're going to have to do something wildly different. And I'm here to tell you that my guests on the on this next series that we're going to be doing uh, in this expansion series, they have done some really wild things. I've been super lucky to be able to mastermind with some of the most successful entrepreneurs and high level mentors and coaches, and I know the value of Circle of Influence. And I think in some ways, I want you to be exposed to that next level of expansion. These episodes that are coming up they will blow your mind literally they're meant to expand your consciousness however today's episode serves as a fun little transition into the expansion series and i thought it would be kind of fun for me to be interviewed and uh, since i've started secret lives of chiropractors i have received so much love from everybody at seminars or on social media and i'm so grateful for your support um, I always somehow get compliments on the name of the podcast, and I figured I will have the person who came up with the name of the podcast, Secret Lives of Chiropractors, I will have him inter- interview me. His name is Dr. Daniel Regal. He's from Rome, Italy, and we got a little personal on this episode, which always makes for a good show. So if you've ever wanted to know any of my secrets, there's at least some of them are in this show. As always, if you haven't subscribed or connected with me on Instagram, please do so. And uh, again, as always, thank you for your support. And um, let me know what you think about the expansion series. I am super excited. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Secret Lives of Chiropractors. My name is Daniel Regal. I'm a chiropractor practicing in uh, Rome, Italy, and today we have a very special guest. It's uh, <laughs> Dr. Nona, and uh, so we thought for this uh, last episode of this series of Secret Lives of Chiropractors, it would be interesting uh, to interview her, the lady who usually does the interviewing. So welcome, uh, Nona, to your own show, <laughs> and thanks for having me as a, as a question, question person, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm excited to see where this goes. And if you guys missed it in the introduction, um, Daniel was really the person to, uh, come up with the name secret lives of chiropractors because everywhere I go, um, I've been, you know, people reach out to me and they're like, this is such a great name. And it's a great concept. People who listen to the podcast and, uh, we've received so many loving messages about the name of the podcast, the content of the podcast. So we thought it would be a great idea for the person, the brain behind the the, 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 <laughs> the product, the, the podcast, uh, to interview me. So I'm a little bit excited and I'm a little bit nervous.
1: You should be. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with the questions. Okay. Um, what is your first childhood memory you have?
0: First childhood memory I have is when I was two and a half. Have I shared this oh, with gosh. you?
1: Um, no, I actually don't know the answer to this.
0: Okay. So (laughs) I was two and a half and I, um, my my dad picked me, I was, I was, my mom was pregnant with a little boy. So I thought at that, in that, in those times that I was going to have a brother that was going to come home and I, I was the only child. And so I was super excited. And, um, it was a healthy pregnancy. Everything went well, uh, the way that it was supposed to go. And then, and I don't remember any of that, by the way, I just remember like expecting a brother to come home Uh and my actual memory where I visibly can like, can visualize it and can see it is when I saw what, when I, I remember my dad picking me up in the hospital And showing me where my little brother was laying down in one of those like little crib, hospital crib things, uh, Mm -hmm. a glass, like a glass, um, large glass door. And uh, the reason why this experience was uh, like it's edged in my in my brain. And I remember Mm -hmm. it vividly is because my brother actually never made it home and he passed away in the hospital, I think, maybe about 10 Mm. minutes uh, later. So, um, that happens to be my earliest childhood memory. And I think that it actually shaped a lot of, uh, what I do, like from that moment on, I feel like I remember wanting to help my parents, wanting to fix their pain. And, and so, uh, wanting to help people, mm-hmm. uh, if you would became the foundational, like core thing that I enjoy doing. And, you know, as a chiropractor, we help people as a coach or helping people what I do and elevate, I'm helping people. So, uh, that's always been an underlying kind of thread.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But then fortunately you had your sister Vanya come yeah. into your life. So
2: yeah, S- six, five, six years later, then my sister was born. Good.
1: Yeah. Good. Um, do you have any funny stories? When you were a kid?
0: About my childhood? Yeah. Um. Do I have any funny stories? It's kind of weird being on the other side of this. It's like, these questions are hard. <laughs> I've been asking people. Uh, Do I have any funny stories about my childhood? I can't really think of anything.
1: No?
2: I can't. I can't. It's not coming.
1: But... You came to the States when you were 16.
2: Yeah.
1: And so uh, up to 16, you were living in Iran. Yeah. How was, we've never really talked about this, but how was that experience of like moving from Iran to the States, Uh, the difference obviously culturally and um, happening when you're, you know, 16? Yeah. A very particular period of of someone's life.
0: Yeah. It's probably, the hardest thing that I've ever done, um, especially at 16, like you can imagine your yeah. 16 year old girl hormonal, <laughs> like yeah. you're, you think that your life is your are your friends and your social life and what you do in school and what you do outside of school. So um, when we moved here, it was a very sensitive time for me. I also didn't really speak any English. Uh, when I moved here at 16, so I. I'm
1: always very impressed by this because you speak very, very. Like, it's it's perfect. It sounds as if you've always spoken it, you know, since yeah, you were born. Yeah. So it's like I've always found that th- impressive.
0: Thank you, and I think it's intentional. Like when I was, at, well, I, so I was thrown into high school, right? And mm-hmm. and I didn't speak a word of English, and I hadn't. I, I don't think I spoke for like two months in a row. Like, I say hi to people because I, I was afraid of saying something wrong or, you know, like trying to put words together. Like, I, I'm learning Italian now and I feel right. the same way. I'm in the same, back in the same space I was. <laughs> not a lot of pressure right now. But um, I think I saw people around me that had lived in the United States for like years and years, like 40 years, and they still had an accent. And that's
1: why I, I'm saying <laughs> it's like,
0: yeah, I get that. Very impressive. I get that a lot. People are like, really? You've, you've you know, you moved to your 16, you don't have an accent. But it was intentional. I could have made uh, Iranian friends in high school. There were Iranian kids in the high school that, but I decided to make, kind of make life more difficult for myself. But I was like, this got to be a sink or swim situation. Uh, so I didn't make friends or I didn't uh, really like relate to or hang out with those kids. And I made sure that. Uh I, I picked it up the right way. I remember like one of the hardest things I ever did was like mm-hmm. American history course because obviously you don't get that in Iran. So you come to the <laughs> States and I had like the textbook is like super thick and I had a dictionary next to it. I'm literally translating word after word uh to, yeah. to try to understand and pass my tests and and, and it was just fine. Do
1: you think that happening when probably around that age is part maybe. Baby- well, a lot of things form your character, but a lot of people don't know. But because they see you always on social media or these interviews and all that, and that you are, although you are an introvert, although it doesn't seem that way for the general <laughs> public, I guess uh, when you sp- when you speak in front of crowds and all that, it seems as if you're born to do that. But then in reality, you're you're very introvert. Um, do you think it has something to do with that? With that period of time when you were kind of isolated, or
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Although when I I'd have to say no, because when I lived in Iran, I have this picture, actually, I was in like second grade or third grade, and I'm speaking, I don't think I've ever shown it to you. I'm all covered. My hair is all covered up. Mm -hmm. uh, But I'm in front of a stage. And there's this girl who's a friend of mine who I'm in. I'm actually I know now too. like we're friends on social media. Am I in second grade, like eight, like eight years old? And she's holding a microphone for me. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, am I reading a poem? Am I singing "Happy Birthday"? Am I giving a very important speech? It certainly looks like I'm giving a speech, but um, I remember kind of always taking on that role um, of wanting to have impact or wanting to to help people in different ways. Uh, And I always remember being the introvert in the room. Like I'm always the observer. If I'm in a small group of people, like I really have to go outside of my comfort zone to like connect with people on, especially in small groups. One-on-one, I'm okay. Uh, If you put me on a a stage, like that's where I feel like I belong. And then in the small groups, I'm like, all right, I struggle a little bit. It's done. I can be a little awkward.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you can, I guess. What is a day? Although I know it and it can be difficult saying trying to follow your whole day, but what's would you like to explain everybody else what a day in known as life looks like? And if you have, if you want to tell them your morning routines and your rituals and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, um, well, you know, because I decided uh early on last year now that I was going to uh travel one week out of the month. Okay. This was an important decision because uh, to some degree, I like obviously wanted to, I'd always wanted to travel, but also uh, wanted to somehow prove to myself that I could have the same level of productivity in my business. Uh, Like even before that, I worked part time, but after I made the decision to take a week off every month to travel and do the things that I want to do, I wanted to prove to myself that I could keep the same level of productivity. Uh, and what started to happen as a result of that is I actually ended up creating more freedom, uh, more abundance, more love, more joy. Like so so many more things came through because I was focusing on the thing that I enjoyed doing. Sure. Um, so I say that because my, my day in a life looks very different. Sometimes uh, my day in a life looks like I get on a plane and I come to Rome and <laughs> I to work from <laughs> I work from Rome and I go to a coffee shop or I go shopping. I do this and that and the other. And uh, some other times it looks like, um, you know, I wake up and I take the kids to school and then I come back and I come to the office and I get on the zoom calls and and emails and coaching calls and creating content and things like that. But uh, I will say that I do have non-negotiables in my morning routine or in my throughout the day routine. I don't really have a morning routine anymore because my kids wake up at like five o'clock in the morning sometimes so i try to I still
1: don't understand that you seriously have to resolve that i think it's kind of a problem i still don't put them to bed and they wake up at 4 five o'clock in the morning constantly yeah that's and something
0: trust me i have tried to put them to sleep later or whatever and they still wake up at like five they're like they're like the oh. 5 club
1: yeah there you go they read the book <laughs> they read the book i guess
0: They read the book. Yeah, exactly. Um, What were we talking about? Oh, the non-negotiables. So the non-negotiables. So I don't, I used to do this in the mornings for sure, but I don't, I don't always get to do it in the morning, but it is a non-negotiable where I go through my, the vision that I have for my life. I've written it out. It's a few pages long and it's a process that I actually teach inside of Elevate Club. Like how do you Keep that vision in front of you because if you do that, then you don't fall off the consistency of like, oh, I gotta do these things. You don't fall off that motivation, you don't fall off your purpose. So my vision is really important to me and uh and meditation is really important to me. It's a non-negotiable and so those are definitely two things that I almost I'd say almost every single day I go through and, do. Oh, and yeah. priming.
1: into priming. Okay. Uh well I know what priming is. Uh- <laughs> You want to explain what priming is?
0: Yeah. Um, um, priming is like basically like priming your brain to uh, to experience, to look for experiences of gratitude and joy and love and abundance of freedom, all the things you want to experience. So uh, I took this from Tony Robbins and kind of modified it uh, for myself that that's more aligned with me. But basically you go through a process where you bring in memories uh of in the past it could be a moment where you're cuddling your baby it could be a moment mm-hmm. with a lover it could be like anything anything that you have gratitude towards and, and you feel like in that moment you really felt something special you bring all of those things and you fill your heart up with gratitude because that's the most uh I guess that's the frequency for receivership and so as I build up and, and I open up my heart as I experience those things in my brain obviously mm-hmm. like my head uh then i go through and take myself through three areas of of uh my life in which i am expecting something really grand to happen so three outcomes that i want to happen so that's how i i prime my brain every day
1: well, i think that's really important because you practice what you preach
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's you know some people maybe think well who knows if you really goes through all this stuff the stuff that you teach and elevate um but you obviously do that Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's good what makes you upset? tell everybody what makes you upset
2: um, I could
1: say it but I'm not so I'll let you do it
2: Um. wait what does make me upset?
1: don't worry about it <laughs> you come up and we'll, we'll see if we agree or not
0: okay okay let's see what makes me upset? What makes me upset the most, and I think uh, you're going to laugh because I think you told me this before, but what makes, and, and I think, obviously, it, I think it's true. That's why I'm repeating it back. But I think that what upsets me the most is uh, when people say that they're going to do something and they won't do it, like that lack of integrity or uh, not doing the right thing, or I don't know, I've always had a thing for that, like, And it plays out differently, right? Like, I talk to chiropractors and I'm like, how come you're not telling your patients that they have to come for life for chiropractic care, but you get chiropractic care for life or your children are getting adjusted once a week? So, like, for me, anything that's out of alignment feels, uh, upsets me.
1: Yeah. Well, this actually goes full circle with what we were just talking about, I guess. The fact that you practice what you preach yeah so what is clearly has maybe on your mind what what is your secret sauce because you've always you've obviously done very well you had a great practice before and we'll go back to that in a bit and um and now you you, you've built what your part-time million dollar practice elevate and you're speaking everywhere pretty much and there's you've done a lot what is your secret sauce?
2: Um, I think there's so many things that go into this, but.
0: Um, I'll tell you my secret sauce, like one ingredient of the secret sauce. How about that? Because it's secret. Uh-huh. I can't give away the whole.
1: <laughs> the whole. I guess.
0: Recipe. Tell you my my secret my 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 ingredient in 2022. Like the one thing, Mm -hmm. because I was reflecting on this earlier today. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The most important thing that I did, not just in 2022, but in the past few years, was to prioritize my energy. So um, I will choose not to interact with somebody. I will choose not to get on a coaching call. I will choose not to get to start my to-do list or start my day or interact with my children. I will, I will put everything on hold until I can show up in the energy that everybody deserves. And I deserve. So I've prioritized how I show up into the things that I do. And I think that that has been one of the ingredients. Uh, I, I can easily say the most important ingredient of, um, you know, creating quantum leaping my life and my success in in the ways that I've been able to do, especially in the past few years. Yeah,
1: at least you get a part of it. The funny thing is, you talk about recipes and sauces and all that, and uh, I don't think uh, <laughs> you you know very much of what happens in the kitchen. But that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the kitchen, mm, no.
1: Okay. Do you do grocery shopping?
0: Do I do grocery shopping? Was that question on the list?
1: Yeah, it is on the list. The question is on the list. I know the answer.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I do. I do grocery shopping. It's not my favorite thing to do. As a matter of fact, like I've had in the past and and uh, I am searching for one right now, a house manager. Uh, so they could do the grocery shopping, the meal prep, cutting up the things, you know, yeah. I just stick to what I what I'm good at it's, that's not
1: it <laughs> let's go back a second to because why did you decide to leave practice or basically it was a big step you took because you were obviously your practice was doing very very well and at the peak of it you decided okay i'm done i'm gonna do something different and i think it would be important for people um to hear your story and why you decided to do that at a certain point maybe other people are thinking or doing something similar, then they're like, no, I can't do this. Or they have some limiting beliefs, which um, they might not want to take a different direction of their life professionally.
0: Um,
1: so would you like to share that?
0: Um, yeah, I think um, the practice got to a point where uh, it, I, I, you know, the, the simple answer is I got bored. Um, but it's it's more complicated than that because what it was is that I got bored. Yeah, I think it's a
1: good idea you explain. <laughs> I
0: know. Chiropractors are like, shut this episode down. This, what is he talking nope. about? You know, and I've been, I've been, I can't say I've been attacked, but I've definitely been judged around it too. And I, I've felt the sense of like loss of identity to go from the, the chiropractor to the coach yeah. to consulting to all the things that I want to do. But I could easily say, looking back, I've always done the thing that was most aligned with me at that time, like for 10 years, 10, 12 years that I practiced, it was the thing that I wanted to do. And I thought I was going to do it for the rest of my life. But practice got to a point where it was limiting. So that's what I mean by boring is I could I figured out how to I mean, you know, I built a 20 hour week a million-dollar practice, all cash-based. And so mm-hmm. I could dial it up if I wanted to. I could dial it down. I could leave the practice and come back months later and have my associates run the practice or or have the practice be intact. And it was stress-free and it was easy and all of those things. On paper, it looked really good. But when I, uh, when I looked a little bit deeper, I realized a couple of things. One is I could dial it down if I wanted to. I could dial it up if I wanted yeah. to. It wasn't challenging enough. And the second thing, and most important thing that happened, is that I no longer felt like I, like I felt like there was a bigger impact that I could be making. Like I would look around my office to be like, "Wow, this is literally I'm at maximum capacity." And yeah, could I open up another location? Could I extend uh, my, you know, my office hours, or could I extend my the the walls to my office? Like I could do that but what is the maximum potential I could have maximum impact I could have in my community. And so, um, when I realized the answer was limited, then I got bored. It was like, okay, like I need, I need to make a bigger impact. And so at the time I had started to do some private coaching, uh, anyways, because people would reach out, well, how are you doing this? And you've got kids and you're, oh. female, you're you know, you're in your, at the time, like maybe early thirties or whatever. And so I started to private coach, and I thought, "Hey, if I can private coach say ten people, then at each of those are seeing each of those chiropractors seeing two hundred people, then I have a larger impact in in those communities." And then mm-hmm. it you know expanded from there into creating group coaching, mastermind, and and a whole bunch of other things. But that was the yeah. main. Yeah.
1: Do you have self doubt? Are you? Are you? Have you ever been afraid of going on stage?
0: On the stage, no.
1: Yeah, like, like no. That's easy.
0: It's easy. Like, do am I excited? A hundred percent. Am I scared? No. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous about going on the stage is like, will I? Will I deliver the the message? Like, will I have enough impact on this stage? Uh, but like, I don't. I don't really. No, I don't get scared of getting on the stage. Do I have self doubt in general?
1: Yeah, no, never. No,
0: I'm kidding. You're I- lying.
1: <laughs> You're lying.
0: <laughs> of course, I do. Um, yeah, I do. But I also have tools that I can, you know, I can work through.
1: Yeah. What's the biggest influences
2: in your life? I have uh, been both professionally and non. And- yeah. Mm, I
0: think I've had so many like gurus and mentors along the way. I think
2: mm-hmm.
0: at, at any phase of my life, and I think yeah. right now, I would probably say I'm studying Joe Dispenza's work, uh, Michael Beckwith, Neville Goddard. Those are sort of my people right now.
1: Yeah. Well, you just went to Joe Dispenza' week long retreat in Cancun. Mm-hmm. How was uh how was that basically? Would you want to well I know how that was, but did you want to explain how that was, your experience there?
0: Um, it was it was amazing. I I mean you do you're in there for a week and you have 30 plus hours of meditation. Like on the last day, I was in meditation for four hours and 45 minutes, which if you told me that the very first time I went to that meditation retreat or any meditation retreat, I would have been like, nah, I'm not sitting through four and a half hours of meditation. That's
1: That sounds like a lot. It <laughs> is. Yeah. It sounds like, I don't
0: know if I'd be, up for be it? able
1: to do all that. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I should have told you. Um, but you know what? Um, he builds it up to that point. So you start out small and so like you you're really used to it by then and and i was craving it i was craving getting out of my body and kind of going into the void and going into the quantum and seeing what i can create and um yeah i i love the experience of it
2: yeah so it's, it's addictive
1: it is addictive <laughs> mm-hmm. you did a move you well you you were studying a lot of tony robbins stuff as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. Is there any major differences you saw in what was happening between both of them?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, I did do Tony Robbins' work for a while. As a matter of fact, I was like a platinum partner in like an exclusive entrepreneurial group with with him, and traveled the world, and and all of those things. But uh, I think at a certain point, uh, it was like Tony Robbins had a, has a lot of. Uh, masculine energy and a lot of like do 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 like
2: mm-hmm.
0: hustle and you work and you do that massive action plan and the rapid whatever he would call it and then once I found uh, Joe Dispenza and Neville Goddard it, it became more about being and less about doing and I found that I was having so much more fun uh, and I was so much so much more in the flow and. Um, I I was also able to, you know, get a little woo woo, like use the word manifest, but I was able to manifest or bring into physical reality. So many things as I was tapping inside of myself versus the push of, uh, what I would call the masculine, but there's a balance there too. I mean, I still, I went to, uh, another Tony Robbins event recently and, uh, we'll continue to do probably both of the worst and find my balance as I, as my evolution continues.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel what was the period in life where you felt most alone? Most alone.
2: Yeah. Um, that's a good question.
0: Um, I went through a period of time. (laughs) We're getting personal, aren't we?
1: Yep.
0: Um, okay. Well, most alone was probably postpartum after my second child was born. I'd sold my business. I was starting from scratch in a lot of ways. And I was building part-time million dollar mastermind. I was, um, I had definitely had postpartum depression, and I don't think people that were around me, like, really understood what I was going through. I don't think I understood what I was going through. Uh, that was probably one of the darkest, like, times. But at the same time, like, I also had people around me that understood me and, you know, offered compassion and help and no. things like that. But if I had to pick and phase, I would say then.
1: What's your biggest regret?
0: Biggest regret. That is another question I ask, isn't it?
1: Yep, you do.
0: Okay, let's think.
2: What's my biggest regret? Um
0: I think uh when I look back in my life, there were area they were times in my life that I could have trusted myself more. Mm-hmm. So if I were to go back and give advice to my 18-year-old self, my 19-year-old self, I would say like just trust. It's gonna be okay. Don't, you know, don't don't feel like you don't have enough, enough time or I don't know.
2: Trust myself.
1: Yeah. How did you think of becoming a chiropractor?
0: Uh well, I got adjusted at a I did, didn't get adjusted. Let me take that back. Somebody cracked. <laughs> My neck, <laughs> there you go. At a party, literally, uh, we're at a party. I, I may have been at a bar or at a
1: was he a chiropractor or was it just random? And then you're like, let's see who cracks next better. No, he, chiropractors, he was a chiropractor. <laughs> and
0: he
1: okay,
0: cracked my neck, and I was in my early 20s and didn't realize I could die. And uh, let him adjust my neck, and next thing you <laughs> intrigued. So that's how it got started. And then um, I actually gave up on uh, dental school. I got accepted to uh, NYU. And uh, as I was studying what chiropractic was about, there was no way I could go to dental school. It was like, I have to pursue this. So then I did.
1: Good good choice. Yeah, I agree. If there was one piece of advice you have to give your younger self as a chiropractor, what would it be as a chiropractor though?
2: As a chiropractor...
1: This is a chiropractic show.
0: Yeah. Secret Lives of Kairos. I I would still say trust yourself.
1: That's always a good one.
0: Yeah, because I, I feel like I took some really crappy advice from people that didn't know or didn't know me, or they gave me advice that was really good for them, but it wasn't aligned right. with me. And somehow I knew, but I are, but but I took their advice anyway. So I think trust yourself is a good one in that category too. Yeah.
1: What kind of car do you drive?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to know
1: that because it's in your questions.
0: It's in the questions. I know. Um, so I got two cars. One is a mom, what I call a mom car, which is uh, an SUV. It's a Lexus SUV. Don't ask me what kind. And uh, I also drive a Porsche.
2: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of, was there any nickname you had when you were a kid?
0: Um, Yeah, my dad used to call me Nonali. Nonali. Yeah, doesn't mean anything, not that I know of anyways. Nonali. Yeah.
1: Now everybody's going to start calling you Nonali after hearing (laughs) this.
0: What was your first job? My first job, I worked, okay, which one was first, I'm trying to remember. Okay, yeah. My first job, real job, was I worked at a fast food place. I worked as a cashier at a fast
1: food place. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you know How that? was that experience? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a surprise.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, well, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey because it sucked so much that I was like, "This, well, <laughs> I'm quitting and I'm going to start my own thing. I kid you not. I started an underground... <laughs> Tutoring company after I left that job. Oh,
1: really? what, what company?
0: At like an underground tutoring company. So I had the crappiest like, right. experience at the fast food place. So I was yep. like, I'm leaving. I quit. Like, I think I lasted like three months. That was the last job I ever held. And then I started, I was like 17 or so. And then I was like, you know what I'm good at is I'm good at math. I know. Don't laugh. I am good yeah, at I'm math. I'm going to
1: laugh. It's like, what, you're going to tell me next that you're going to reading maps.
0: <laughs> so I I was good at math. I am good at math. So I thought, okay, I'm going to tutor math. So I had a neighbor who had a Oh, God,
1: four kid. kids. What happened to those people?
0: Uh, I did, I- <laughs> I'm really good on math. I am really Did you good.
1: ever investigate what happened to those people you taught math to?
0: Long-term studies.
1: How yeah, long you should have done a long-term study what happened to those people? No, I think but, academic journey finished right right after that semester.
0: No, no. It was, I, actually, okay, so listen to this. So I start tutoring this kid and, and he was he was doing so much better. And so his parents are like, they, they were talking to other people and so they got other neighbors. Uh, They're like, oh, oh God. She- stop it so they come, It's worse whole so, oh, so, community no, no they get it gets better all of those people are going to yell now and, and Stanford and because I tutored them okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what did happen though is um I uh realized very quickly this is something that actually chiropractors can can start to take notes on this I realized that I couldn't exchange my time for money anymore because mm-hmm. I only so much time because i was also going to school right um and there were all these kids that they wanted tutoring so i yes. hired other students that i was going to school with that were good at math and then i would just <laughs> take percentage so i was in some ways i was pimping them out yeah in fact <laughs> and i actually had a successful tutoring company, company. Yeah. no name underground tutoring company and yeah. while i was at chiropractic school while i was at berkeley I continued to do the same thing, and I would tutor, and then I would hire other uh, students to tutor for me, and I would take a cut.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
0: And ever <laughs> since then, I've been addicted to entrepreneurialship and business, and but
1: although, like, okay, we joke about it, that you're not very good at math, but you're good at numbers. I am entrepreneur wise. Like, you know how to read numbers, and you're good at that. Yeah. So, I guess. I don't know. It's, you're not, you don't know what two plus two is, but then you know what, how to get to a million bucks.
0: I know what two plus two is. And I, okay. So let me break this down since we're getting into this. yeah, You don't know this, but when I was in Iran as a 15 year old, so oh God,
1: you ruined the whole class even there of oh kids.
0: Okay, listen, listen. <laughs> I don't know why this interview is taking a personal turn, but here's the thing. I was so good at math that I actually got accepted to participate in the math Olympics. <laughs> 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 so I was one of the top students, ask my parents, I swear, this is, I'm not making this up. They, I was one of the top students. I was like the best in math in my area. It's like in my, whatever, like uh, yeah. district or whatever. I was almost gonna be going out of the country and compete in <laughs>
1: but but then you went out of the country without competing math though
0: i mean to be fair i did lose some of my math um sense i guess
1: there you go let's go a second back to your chiropractic what did what did you get into there when you decided to open your practice were you an associate before were you not
0: i worked in a, as an associate um, for a very short period of time, and I learned very quickly the things I didn't want to do. Um, and so from that experience, I left, and I was an independent contractor in a brand-new practice and lasted there another few months. And uh, actually, she pretty much kicked me out of the practice, Just gave me an alternate uh, mm-hmm. like, an, um, like you either sign up and be a W-2 or um, you have thirty days to leave. So we're not good friends, and it's all fine. But it it did it was the stepping stone for me. It did put me in a very uncomfortable situation, but it also pushed me into having to start my own practice.
1: Because obviously, you were starting your practice also in a very very difficult time in, in the economy.
0: Yeah. Two thousand and the two
1: thousand eight nine something like that. Two
0: thousand eight in the middle of yeah. the downturn economy.
1: Yeah. Was is there any advice you would give to young chiropractors of so opening a practice, not being so being an associate in the beginning?
0: Uh, no, I think like to be an associate versus an independent contractor. No. Or versus opening up your own practice. I think that you, I know this is, seems to be a theme, but like trust yourself because yes. for me, looking back, I knew I had to start my own thing. Like I'm my, not my personality and I'm a Capricorn and I'm, you know, just the way that I am. Oh God,
1: now we're going to go into astrology.
0: Into astrology. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Oh God. <laughs> but I'm, I'm the kind of person who has to like, like I had to do it for myself, right? But but for some people, the right decision is to associate. For some people, and I think a lot of what we do is pretend not to know what we're supposed to do or what we want to do. There's a lot of pretending that I feel like happens. I think if you really, I,
1: I think it's very true.
0: Yeah. You sit down with yourself like you know what's the right decision. You might be scared to do that, but you know what's the right decision, the right path.
1: Yeah. Well, good. Well, I think we've uh, completed this uh, interview with uh, your own show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for for having me interview you. That was very much fun. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. That's all, folks.
0: (laughs) That's all, folks. Well, thank you for um, interviewing me. And uh, this was really fun. I think you learned some new things about me. Yep, uh, I did everybody got to see a perhaps I'm kind
1: of concerned for a whole bunch of students <laughs> that's okay
0: <laughs> they're gonna be just fine um but yeah thank you for interviewing me this was fun and uh this sort of wraps up one uh series the first series that we started with with um secret lives of Chiropractors. And I'm super excited to announce that the next series that we're going into, we are going to be uh, interviewing some trailblazers. We've got some really incredible uh, and massively successful chiropractors that are going to be coming on the show. And uh, for me, the next series that we are going to have in the next uh, however many weeks uh, it, it is all about expanding your consciousness, because um, the more you can be exposed to a circle of influence and, or people that have done really big things, uh, the less scary it is to do the small things or the medium sized things. So I hope that, um, you guys have enjoyed secret lives of chiropractors so far. I hope that you had fun in this episode as much as I think me and Daniel did. And, um, if you haven't subscribed make sure you subscribe, if you have, a, if you don't follow me on Instagram, make sure you do so. And uh, I will, hopefully you'll hear me on the next episode. So tune in for the next episode of Secret Lives of Chiropractors. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.